please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 16. John chapter 16. Our particular focus tonight is on the last verse, verse 33, but I will begin reading in verse 25. Let's ask for God's help. Our Father, we pray for help to hear, to understand, to spiritually digest your word in such a way that it would make a visible difference in our lives. And we ask these things looking to you, Lord Jesus, and the grace that is in you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Last week, we saw how Jesus warned his disciples about overconfidence. You may or may not have noticed that I deliberately stopped short of verse 33 last week. I wanted to emphasize this warning to um, the disciples about overconfidence, but also uh, verse 33 is a summary statement it deserves to be treated on its own. Christ is boiling down all that he has said since he entered the upper room. Remember, he's preparing his disciples for the reality that he is going away physically, and now they are 
entering onto the, the church age where he's going to do greater things through them, but they're also going to have tribulations and, and difficulties, and yet he will be with them by his Spirit. Of course, at the beginning of that, he's going to leave them physically. He will uh, die and they will have much sorrow, but that sorrow will be turned into joy. So, he's preparing them for all that, and, and he's been taking time to teach them in a very concentrated way in the upper room and perhaps as they made their way through the streets of Jerusalem to the Garden of Gethsemane. And here, he's taking all the teaching that he's done so far and boiling it down, boiling it down to the mood it should produce in his disciples. That mood has two main parts to it, peace and good cheer. Now, you might say, mood? Isn't that squishy, unreliable, subjective? Why am I saying that Christ is boiling down this whole discourse on how to live and thrive in the church age to a mood. Well, one of the key fruits that we believe, that is, that we really believe the truth, is our mood, the, the mood that it produces in us. Truth taken in, digested, and rested upon produces a certain mood. And here Jesus says that is peace and good cheer. Of course, not everyone who seems to have peace and good cheer is firmly rooted in the truth. But everyone who is firmly rooted in the truth by the Spirit will be bearing the fruit of peace and good cheer on some level. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. So yes, Jesus is talking about mood here. Mood is proof of the pudding. If you have that, then you've gotten all the right ingredients, you've put them together in the right proportion according to the right recipe, and the result is glorious. Of course, you didn't start with the pudding, you started with all the raw ingredients. It took wisdom and work with those ingredients to get the pudding. But you weren't aiming at the pile of ingredients. You were aiming at the pudding. You weren't aiming at a pile of flour and a pile of sugar and a jug of milk and whatever it else it takes to make a pudding. You were aiming at the finished product. And the same thing is true of peace and good cheer. It takes taking in, digesting, resting upon truth by the Spirit to produce peace and good cheer. But you're not aiming just at isolated theological truths. You're, you're not just aiming at things that you understand in your mind intellectually. You're aiming at the mood that it produces in you and the way you present yourself to the world. So let's hear Christ tonight focusing on this mood that 
the truth he's given his disciples is to produce. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Christ is the source of this mood, and then we see these two characteristics, peace and finally good cheer. So my title is The Mood of Christ's People, and my points are Christ, Peace, and Good Cheer. What or who is the source of this mood of peace and good cheer? Well, you might say that it has an ultimate source and an instrumental source. Christ, his person, his gift, his power is the ultimate source. But it is through his word that Christ comes to us. It is through his word and spirit that we uh, believe upon him and that we apply him to our lives and that peace and good cheer flow out. It says here, these things I have told you. There's a lot in just those words. First of all, the source is Christ, right? These things I have told you. These things who has told them? These things Christ has told them. And what has he done? Has he shown them pictures? No, he's told them. He's given them these things through his word. Some of the things that he's told them are difficult things. He's leaving. The world's going to hate them. And here he's reminding them of these things again. In the world, you will have tribulation. Persecutions, trials, losses, slanders, difficulties. That word tribulation has a, a wide range of applications. And probably all of us here have experienced various difficulties in life in various ways. We know the truth that in this world we will have tribulation. It's, it's been a reality that we've interacted with. However, many of the things that Christ has told them are of himself. He was leaving, but only physically. And he was and still is the answer to all the trying circumstances of his people. Think about some of the things that he has told them. He would be glorified. He wasn't going to end as a crucified criminal on a Roman cross. He was going to ascend to the right hand of God the Father and be glorified. He was preparing a place for them with his Father. Through his death and resurrection, through his saving work, there was going to be a way for them to know full communion with God and to live with God forever and ever and ever. He's told them that he is God. He's one with the Father. He's not just a man. He's not even just a wise man. He's not even just a powerful man. But he's a man who is God. He's told them that he will do great works through them. In fact, greater works than what he has done. They're going to do. Chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. He's told them 
that he will come again by his spirit. Here I'm not talking about his final coming, but uh, the giving of the spirit at Pentecost in which he would come back to them. Remember, he said he wasn't going to leave them as orphans, but he was going to come back to them to be with them by his spirit. He's told them that he was going to be with them so they'll have his presence, they'll have his love. Chapter 14, 19 to 24. He's told them already that he's going to give them peace. 14, 25 to 31. He's told them that he is the source. He is the source of all their ongoing strength, life, and every good thing, even as a vine is the source of all the life for the branches. He is the source of of all the fruitfulness that they will experience in, in their lives. Chapter 15, 1 to 8. He's told them that he will give them his spirit by which they will carry on his work in the world, convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, glorifying Christ in this world. And he's told them that he will turn their sorrow into joy. Chapter 16, verse 20. It's going to be hard. There's going to be real, deep, excruciating sorrows in front of them. They're going to go through very difficult things. Some of them will be martyred. They will lose their lives for Christ. But He has given them everything they need, and He is going to win. More than that, they're not just going to be left as a a casualty of his victory, like a soldier in the army of an emperor might be. They are going to share in his victory. And he is the ground, the source of all this. He is the ground, the source of all this, and in this, they can have peace. In this, they can have good cheer. It's the same for us today. We have various difficulties we're going through personally as families. The church in, in this country is, um, is divided, um, is weak, uh, is disappointing in so many ways. But Christ is the source of everything that we need. He has won. He will win. And therefore, we can have peace and and good cheer, even in the midst of these things. More than that, notice that these things come to them by His Word. These things He had told the disciples. And so, although they had Him standing there or sitting there right with them, in some ways, They come to us in the very same way as they came to the disciples. He gave them his word to tell them all these things about himself, to show them that he was the source of everything that they needed, and he does the same thing for you now, tonight. You've got his word. 
You've got the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, and therefore you can see him as the, the source of everything that you and the church need to live in this world. So first of all, we see Christ as, as the source of this peace and good cheer. Secondly, I want to consider briefly with you peace. It's a steadiness, a lack of turmoil. In the Hebrew, there is shalom, which has the whole idea of well-being, that things are stable, they're working as they should, and that leads to flourishing. It leads to joy and, and abundance and fullness. This is the idea of peace. People think that they lack peace because of their circumstances. In reality, they lack peace because they either don't have anyone or anything to rely on, or they don't think they have anyone or anything to rely on. In addition, outside of Christ, they know that they are guilty before a holy God, and therefore their consciences will not give them peace in this life. There's always a, a nagging undercurrent of um, that which is not at ease, not the way it should be in them, because they know that they're not right with God. But that is not true of you, brother or sister. Remember what Paul says to the Christians in Rome. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We, brothers and sisters, as God's beloved children, have clean consciences. If we're living in regular repentance and faith, we know that our righteousness is Christ. We know that He has paid for all our sins, and therefore we don't have to have that undercurrent of instability running through our lives. We also know that because God is our God through Jesus Christ, that we can rely upon Him fully and without reservation. The reality is, there is going to be all sorts of bad stuff swirling around you. And that's not going to change until you either die or Christ comes again. It's patently obvious right now, isn't it? Turn on the news. Look at our world. There's, there's wars. There's uh, dissensions. There's um, atrocities. There's all sorts of difficulty that people are dealing with. There's immorality uh, and, and stuff that is just gross and sad and tragic all around us all the time. There's also things in, in our lives that are challenging. And more than that, unless God does a mighty work of His Spirit, which we're praying that He would, things are probably going to get more difficult for Christians in this country in the coming years. Maybe in your life there's significant changes coming up or unknowns or fears. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, Jesus says, I am your rock. 
I'm the one in whom you can find true peace because I am that stable, steady, reliable point in the midst of all of this. As we sang, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present aid, and therefore, though the earth gives way, we will not be afraid. Though mountains fall into the sea, though waters foam and roar, we will not fear, though mountains quake as waves engulf the shore. A river flows whose streams delight the city of our God, the holy place in which the Lord Most High has His abode. God is within His holy place. The city will not yield, for God will come at break of day to be her help and shield. Christ is on the throne. He is in control, and He is coming again. Therefore, in the midst of all your personal tribulations, in the midst of all the tribulations of God's people throughout the world, He is our rock, and therefore He can be our peace, that steady, reliable point in the midst of all the chaos. And then there's good cheer. This is the second characteristic of this mood of of Christ's people that Christ is laying out for His disciples. What do you think of when you think of these words, good cheer? Some of the things I think of are feasting, joy, laughter, confidence. In the Greek, it also has the idea of courage. Why should we be of good cheer? You know, you might think perhaps 100 years ago, perhaps 200 years ago, there'd be reason for God's people to be of good cheer. Things were going well. They could, they could imagine Christ's victory in all sorts of ways. That's not the case so much for us today. You might say, why, why should we be of good cheer? Why should we be exuding this joy and, and laughter and, and confidence and courage in the midst of our world in the midst of this city. Because Christ has and will win. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Did you know, dear brother and sister, every last person that is His will be converted? Did you know Every last inch of this world will become His. Did you know that every last nation in opposition to Him, every last institution, every last idea will bow the knee? He's overcome the world. He's struck the decisive blow in His cross and He's coming again to seal the deal. Do you believe that? We are on the winning team. Therefore, we can celebrate. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In terms of application, I want to just briefly say, if uh, you don't know Christ, 
then come and join us in this peace and good cheer. It means submitting to him, but it means true peace, and it means this joy and confidence and courage. Christians, be a witness to those around you. Think about this. If we go out into the world and we exude peace, we exude good cheer, people are, are hungering for that all around us. That will be such a witness of Christ because it's not just our personality. It may be contrary to our personality for us to be peaceful and full of good cheer. But we are like that because of Christ. If that is true of us, then it will be such a witness. Seek these things for your own spiritual health and blessing. Don't be an anxious Christian. Now, I know that various people struggle with that on various levels and and we should be understanding and encourage one another and come alongside one another, not trying to guilt anyone. But let all of us press into Christ, into His Word, seek His Spirit, do the, the practical things that we need to do. Sometimes just good exercise can, can help with these things. Let's press into His Word, let's seek His Spirit, let's do the practical things we can do so that we're not anxious Christians, that we're those who are living in the reality that Christ is this rock, that Christ has overcome the world. Don't be a dour Christian. Now, we've got so much to be joyful about. Our King has won. He's conquering the world through the salvation of souls. He's coming again and renewing all things. He's with us every step of the way. He's given us His Spirit to comfort and encourage and strengthen us. We've got so much to be joyful about. So cultivate joy. A joy rooted in Christ, in the peace that He brings, and in the victory that He is bringing and will bring. Be people of peace and good cheer. Don't be anxious. Don't be dour. But be those who are full of peace and good cheer. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we pray that we might see you for who you are. That we might really take it and digest that you're on the throne, that you've won, that you are winning. That's not to downplay, Lord God, the real difficulty and challenges that we go through. You know those. You have experienced all sorts of struggles, every uh, thing that can befall man so that you could be a sympathetic high priest for us. But Lord God, you've won and, and you want us to reflect that reality. So help us not be taken in by the chaos of this world. Help us not to be taken in by 
the discouragements in the church. But let us be people, families, and a church that people can point to and say, those people have an extraordinary peace that I can't explain. Those people are rejoicing. We pray that you would work these things in us for the glory of your name. Amen.